0: This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. you found the best podcasts in the universe. It's Thursday, May the 3rd, and you're listening to The Secrets. Welcome to this podcast of The Secrets, the podcast for anyone who is serious about writing. The Secrets Home can be found at www.strongwolf.com. For the next 15 minutes, we'll talk about writing, and how to get you even closer to seeing your name on the spine of a book. Welcome to The Secrets. This podcast is all about writing and how to get the success you want. This particular podcast is the seventh in a series I'm calling 21 Days to a Novel. Had to count on my fingers there. It all began in a prompt manner in episode 17, and it looks like it's going to continue through episode 24, which will be the next episode. I'm Michael A. Stackpole, a novelist, short story writer, screenwriter, game designer, and computer game designer, with 39 published books to my credit. My first novel was published in 1988, eight of my books have been on the New York Times bestseller list, and I actually make my living at writing, so I've I've got a pretty good handle on this, but you know, the business is always changing, so it's always, um, I guess it's sort of like sailing, you're never quite sure what's going to be out there. The Secrets Podcast is an audio companion to my writing newsletter, which is also called The Secrets. You can learn more about the newsletter on my homepage at www.stormwolf.com. Download the sample issue and decide whether it's worth a dollar an issue to focus your writing on success. Issue 75 just came out and it's covering how to find a story amid the wealth of the world that you've created, something we all tend to do. And I actually have a series in the newsletter about creating worlds. So once you've got all that stuff, how do you find a story there? So that's what we're going to t- deal with in that particular issue. I'm really excited about this particular podcast because this one kind of brings it all together. But before we jump straight in, I'd like to really thank you guys for feedback. I know it was a long time between podcasts, and it's good to be back podcasting. And all the well wishes and and the wonderful things people have said, really, it's just great. makes me actually want to continue doing this kind of thing, which is uh, very important because I'm enjoying it, and apparently a lot of you are getting a lot out of it. In the last podcast, we covered day 16 in our 21 Days to a Novel. Through doing the exercises, you've now got three characters who are involved in the same story. You've got a feel for their voices. You've learned how to describe the characters. You've even identified some of the conflicts between them. You've also now got a sense of their world, the character's place in it, and how the world reacts to them and their actions. Through the last set of exercises, we got to add an overall sense of the novel that we're writing. Now, to recap, for our purposes of the podcast, the characters that I'm dealing with are Harry, a mid-40s drunk who's trying to dry out, who's playing the guitar as a hobby, and who's in love with Nicole. Nicole is a hot 23-year-old singer who used to be from a well-to-do family, but after her father was caught in a bank swindle, uh, went to prison, and died, she's fallen on hard times. None of her friends talk to her. It's really kind of a mess. Still, she dreams of making it big in the world of entertainment and sings with Harry accompanying her. Lastly, we've got Pete, a somewhat mysterious figure who hangs out to help Nicole. There are rumors he's been to jail, but nobody knows anything about him and, you know, we don't know if he's an undercover cop, we don't know all sorts of stuff. So, you know, he's he's something we could play with as as we're telling the story. In this podcast, we're going to cover days 17 through 20. It's a big lump to take all at once, but these four days are the core of the plotting process. And it is a process. Anyone who tells you the story just shows up full-blown in his head is is really talking nonsense. You may get the germ of an idea, but it is the process that turns it into a story. Weaving everything together requires a lot of work. That weaving process, um, as I've referred to it before, is really more of a laminating process, and it will take days. So we're going to cover it as days. It will also continue as you write, which is good, and we'll do more about that later. These four days are going to be what will get you started. The continuation of the process, even through rewrites, is what will make your work great. Just be aware that you'll have to be flexible, and you'll do just fine. Nothing is written in stone, so it can be adjusted to make your story better. Day 17. The course of a story and its character story arc involves problem resolution, if you will. Every problem is a lock, and you've got to find the key. And it could be that getting any key requires solving of other problems, which require more keys, and so on, and so on. Thus, any problem can be broken down into a smaller problem, and all problems require examination through the following steps. Step 1. Identify and show us the problem. With Harry, this is easy. He's got a problem with alcohol. We can show him being a sloppy drunk. We can show him waking up hungover. We can show him standing outside a meeting hall, not wanting to go into an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. There are a billion ways of us to show the problem, and show is the key. Just saying Harry's drunk is not satisfying. If you say it, you've made the conclusion, and the reader just has to agree or disagree. If you show Harry being a drunk then the reader draws the conclusion. The reader will have made that mental and emotional investment in Harry. The reader will know that the conclusion is correct, and that's far more powerful than you just telling him it is. Step two, the character has to realize that there is a problem. I know this sounds a lot like the 12 steps, but it, trust me, we won't get 12. Again, this has to be showed. The problem is causing him serious difficulties in his life, and things are not going to get better If he doesn't confront the problem, this doesn't mean he will, but at least he must be aware that there is a problem. Again, you can show this in a myriad of ways, anywhere from him waking up in a pool of his own vomit, which is no fun or friends coming together in an intervention to say, look, guy, you got a problem. Step three, you have to show us a catalyst for change before someone solves a problem. They need a reason. To solve the problem let's say Nicole says to Harry if you take a drink our partnership is through bingo right there Harry has a motivation to stop drinking we don't know if it'll be enough but it's been laid out for him step 4 show us the solution to the problem and or the development of the resources to facilitate change and success in other words, show us that he's got the key, or show us that he's got the means to create the key and solve this problem. Nicole's comment to Harry isn't going to be what dries him out. I mean, a comment from a friend might work for Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan in in the novel *Sum of All Fears*, where it looked like Jack was becoming a drunk, and a friend says, "Hey, you're becoming a drunk," and Jack stopped. You know, that's an unrealistic solution. Harry is more likely to look for help. Maybe he does go to a meeting. Maybe he resolves to avoid bars. Maybe he goes home and tosses out all the alcohol he has hidden around. And and we get to see him struggle with that last bottle. The key is that he's putting himself in a position to succeed or fail. This step can also lead to some of those wonderful moments in a book where the hero cobbles together common items to create a device he needs to get out of prison. Kind of one of those MacGyver moments. With any luck, we've seen all the pieces established before that point but they're common enough that we'd not have noticed them. The hero accomplishes a miracle and the readers are all impressed. And don't do this too often, but it is a cool thing. You know, someone goes, oh, hey, maybe this would be helpful. And, you know, everybody, the, the reader has kind of forgotten that you had that thing there. They think you're brilliant. They think your character's brilliant. Everybody's happy. Step five show the success or failure of the effort to solve the problem and address the logical conclusions, which usually generates another problem. This is the make or break step, where we succeed or fail. This is definitely the climax of the book for huge problems, but there's also little solutions to smaller problems, and this is very good to have going along. Give the characters some wins, give them some defeats, you know, make it look like they're headed in the right direction, but they may never get there. Let's look at Harry. He's actually got two main problems. One, he drinks too much. He likely does it when he's nervous or depressed or both. Second, he loves Nicole, but he's afraid he'll lose her to her dream of stardom. So let's assume he's been conquering the drink thing, and by doing so is able to accompany her in the contest finals, and she wins. Everyone is ecstatic. Champagne is flowing. No harm in him having just one glass is there. He's tempted, and we know that, but he doesn't drink. He's stronger than that, and this newfound strength allows him to confront his second problem. At the celebration, he sees this smarmy producer guy chatting up Nicole. I think you remember him from a bunch of podcasts earlier. He's the, the smarmy guy promising her everything. She's got stars in her eyes. This is the same guy who's been a sleaze throughout the whole book, and he's told her that she could definitely win the contest with his arrangement if she'd sleep with him. Now he's taking another run at her because she refused before. He starts out by being contrite and apologizing for his previous behavior. I mean, you know how those guys are. And then he flatters her and and talks to her about her skill and her future. In her state of euphoria, it looks like his line of bull is going to work. And here's where a sober Harry steps up. He tells Nicole that he thinks this guy's scum of the earth, and that she can do better. And the sleaze counters, yeah, with who, you? And Harry, Lord love him, stands up to the guy. He says, I may not be much, but I won't lie to her. Never have, never will. And he turns to Nicole and says, I love you more than I've ever loved anyone. If your success means that you go with him, and that's the only way you can be happy, I'll step aside. I love you that much. Okay, you get the general idea about the steps here. The day 17 exercise is to take all of these problems our main characters face and break them down into events or scenes that cover one of the above steps. Limit each step to about three or four sentences. For right now, just deal with the major problems in their lives. While Harry losing his keys so he can't start his car certainly is a problem that falls into the five-step profile, you really don't need to be chronicling it right here. That's a little thing we'll use later, maybe. Oh, and you get extra points if a problem solution between characters are mutually exclusive. This means you'll be doing some serious workaround stuff later, which is always fun. You know, what do I mean by this? Let's say Nicole gets an endorsement deal out of Cuervo and they want ads showing the band members sitting around drinking, celebrating, that kind of thing. Well, Harry has to decide, is it morally right for him to endorse liquor when he's a drunk or isn't it? How is he going to deal with that? Well, a little minor problems and, and some of these things are mutually exclusive. The, the, the deal obviously means a lot to Nicole and so we go. All right, let's move on to day 18. On day 18, you have to look over the scene inventory for each character, this is what you've been creating the day before, and determine the implications for the world and other characters. There will be times when actions have very direct consequences, or others where one scene and location will serve two purposes. For example, Nicole and some of her old friends are going to meet in a bar where she's working. They're going to treat her like dirt, the old friends. This is a chance meeting, they're not organized it. In Harry's line, he's looking for a bar because he's had a horrible day. Could be that he walks into the bar where Nicole has had her confrontation. She's having a bad day. He's had one. They begin to commiserate and bond. This, this in fact, could be how they meet. In some novels, you'll see the world events take on huge importance. In James Clavell's Noble House, we see a Hong Kong that's undergoing a rainy spell. You don't really think much of it until the soggy land gives way in a landslide, which affects all of the novel's characters. It doesn't come out of left field, it's been there in the background, and it certainly changes the power dynamics of the book in a hurry. As I noted before, you get points for solutions that are mutually exclusive. These things, as well as other solutions, will generate consequences. These consequences are new problems that need solutions, or will come together to impinge on the story later. For example, a mob leg breaker might hurt someone in the start of your story and later on run into that same person when the victim is armed for bear and in a revenge-minded mood. Having consequences bite a character in the butt later on is a lot of fun and works really well in the political play within a novel. As you look at these common points and generate events for the world storyline, the consequences, and, and talk about how the world's going to react to the different things that they're doing, you'll see that the world's reactions and the actions of other characters impact all the other characters. In other words, this is a process of action and reaction. An event in one place may force you to change something another character was going to do. Make a note of it. And limit any solution or other scenes to that, to that whole three-line description. So, you know, as we had it before, Nicole is going to meet accidentally meet with friends in a bar. That you knew you were going to do because it shows her fallen state. You have Harry looking for a bar because he's had a bad day. Those were two isolated incidences. Now on day 18, we go, you know, those could happen roughly the same time, same place. Maybe this is how they meet. So that's what you want to do. Look for those correspondences, and then look as characters take actions. Look at how people are going to react, and look at what that is going to force other characters to do. In some ways, it can be a lot like dominoes being lined up and just falling over. These things work out, but this is this process of lamination back and forth where you're making changes, making sure everything fits. Day 19 is your lather, rinse, repeat day. You go through the scene inventory created by days 17 and 18, deal with the consequences, break big problems down into smaller, solvable pieces. You put those scenes together, examine their consequences, and create more scenes. As you create locks, you create keys. You notice something. Your novel will be constructing itself backward, from solution to starting point. This is very cool. If you know where you want the characters to end up, you can figure out where they're likely to start. Putting together a string of events is relatively easy. Just remember that you want emotional content. Give characters a chance to reflect on what's happening and put in scenes where they can relate to and react to other characters and their actions. At the end of day 19, you could easily be awash in events, but it's really not that bad. In an average novel, you'll likely have a dozen chapters where you're inside the head of any one particular character. Arrange a dozen events for that character and you'll have the arc he's going through. You do that for the main characters and you'll have a few chapters left over, which is cool. You'll always find a use for them. And here we're figuring a standard 100,000 word novel with 40 chapters of 2,500 words each. It's an easy way to keep score. Use it as a model. This is the modern length of a novel got to do a lot of characterization. You know, anybody who grew up, uh, as I did, reading, you know, the little 60,000-word novels that were fairly common back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, yeah, this is a sea change. We all love those novels. They're still well-written. We can still enjoy them. But to work today, you know, we have to do more. Just the same way that, you know, farmers who were growing cattle... 50 years ago, you know, cattle are totally changed now in terms of uh, fat content and those sorts of things. Amazing what you learn as a writer. I mean, you just, you know, all this stuff gets there. Times change and we have to turn out product that people want now, not product that they would have wanted a long time ago, unless you've got a time machine, in which case you'd already be famous. And it would have stopped me from telling anybody about the time machine to take stories back. All right. Look, Chapter description doesn't have to be much when you're writing this out, when you're writing these things down. In the novel we're talking about here, I'd I'd probably write Harry 1, so Harry's first chapter. Uh, Intro Harry, he's a drunk hungover at work, but he's still kind of small animals. Um, Okay, that's not going to win me a Nobel Prize, but it's all I need to know in the way of hints to write that first chapter or begin to structure that novel and and figure out where I'm going to put Harry in moreover I can change it anytime I want to in case it doesn't work out well that way so by the end of day 19 you have your characters you have an inventory of scenes that relate to the world and other characters It doesn't have to be perfect since things will change with the writing but it has to be enough to start day 20 this is the big day you're gonna braid the scenes together and give yourself an outline there are any number of ways to order the scenes I've often used a revolving viewpoint scheme where every third or fourth chapter we're back at the same character. This is very effective in multiple viewpoint novels. The most important thing in this process is to keep an eye on how things flow. Ideally, you want your story to be a roller coaster ride with emotional highs and lows, with action scenes and slower contemplative scenes intermingled to excite readers and give them a chance to catch their breath. While there are times uh, as you're building a sequence that things fit together absolutely naturally, not always. When it happens, that's great. There are the times when you have to force things to fit simply because of chronological needs. At all times, you have to keep in mind two things. First, you have to ask how a particular scene is advancing the story. How have the characters and their circumstances changed because of what we've just experienced? You can't afford to have emotionally flat scenes. Folks should be going up or down, not on cruise control. Cruise control in this sense means boredom. Equally important, you need to remember that in writing the book, things may change. An outline is to a novel what a road map is to a road trip. It shows you where you intend to be going, but the story is what happens on the trip. You may never get to the end. You may not hit all your waypoints. That's all fine, provided the story keeps going. We'll talk more about changes that happen in a book in the next episode, but let me give you a quick example. In Fortress Draconis, which I'm actually going to start podcasting chapter by chapter later this month, I realized that I was going to need two new viewpoint characters because vital events were going to be happening in locations well away from my other viewpoint characters. In the Dark Glory War, I'd mentioned in passing that Prince Scrainwood had two sons. So I gave one of them a name and stuck him in Fortress Draconis. He became my viewpoint character for that location. He survived the end of that book and continued on through the next two novels. I'd never considered him as a character for the saga because he was just in the right place at the right time. So I ended up using him. I used him enough, in fact, that I had to shape a story arc for him and allow him to grow and change. And he became a major character in the in the saga, which is really cool. That's Prince Earl Stoke for those who've read those books. And he was a lot of fun. It was a case where the demands of the story worked changes into my structure. And I had to accommodate those changes for the good of the story. Okay, it did help that I liked uh, I liked him. But the point is simple. Your story will tell you a lot of the things it needs. Listen to it and it'll be great. All right, that's the end of day 20. You may want to formalize your outline. I generally put together a paragraph per chapter, noting any snippets of dialogue or key points, like being kind to animals, as I mentioned before, that need to be covered. Just go with the bare minimum. Leaving room for notes is vital because as things go along, you will make notes, you will make changes. I don't suggest revising the outline unless changes in the story demand restructuring, and that'll be for plot and pacing and more on all of this in the next episode. We'll cover changes and other pitfalls. Right now you should be all set to go. After day twenty-one, just put the pedal to the metal and get going. You really are that close to turning out a novel, and what great fun it will be. This is Michael A. Stackpole for The Secrets. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit www.stormwolf.com to get your sample issues of The Secrets. My latest book, Masters of War, came out in April, in case you missed it. The next book, The New World, will be out in August, and we'll finish off the Age of Discovery trilogy. The podcast also has a discussion forum at www.tsfpn.com. Please feel free to come over there, ask questions, and participate in discussions about writing. Share your work on the exercises with other writers. The next podcast will be the eighth and final one in this series. It will take us through day 21. So strap on your writing gloves, get all your procrastination techniques out of the way, and get ready to pile up the words. It's on. And when you're done, you'll have a novel to show for the struggle. This podcast is copyright 2007 by Michael A. Stackpole. I'll be back in a week or so, uh, I hope, uh, with more about working with words. Until then, good luck with your writing.